From KUT News and the Texas Tribune, this is The Ticket. We demand our liberty. But this election is not just about what laws we're going to pass. Americans have come back from some pretty tough economic times. We need to stop limiting kids in poor neighborhoods. I declare to you today as a candidate for president of the United States. I'm Ben Philpott. And I'm Jay Root. This week on the show, Hillary Clinton isn't the only Democrat running for president. We'll dive into Bernie Sanders' presidential announcement slash press conference on Stump Interrupted. And we'll speak with Sanders supporter, Texas politician, and pundit Jim Hightower about what we can expect from the Sanders campaign. And then, on the straight ticket, forget about whether or not a candidate would have invaded Iraq. I'll ask the really important questions about how candidates would have handled other historic events. But first, uh, Jay, we didn't have any official candidate announcements again this week, but we do have three more people that have edged ever so slightly closer to that official announcement. Okay, so we got Bobby Jindal, Lindsey Graham... And I'm forgetting the third one. Hold on, let me put my glasses on. Oh, Rick Perry. Oops. Yep. How could I forget? <laughs> Our friend and Texas, former Texas governor. That's right. He'll be announcing uh, something <laughs> June 4th uh, up in the Dallas area. Uh, he then has a uh, an event, at least one event that we know of so far, at a uh, a biker rally. Too soon? I don't know. A biker <laughs> rally actually in Iowa. Um, so that'll be interesting. So uh, I always say Bobby Jindal, but is it Jindal or Jindal? Uh, In Texas, we say Jindal, Bobby Jindal. Bobby Jindal. Yeah, I think we can go with that. (laughs) Okay. So is he doing some kind of exploratory committee or is he really getting in? He is. And, you know, that was a question I had with with it being so, you know, still 18 months away, but with it being so kind of late in the are you in or are you out game, why – why create that exploratory committee when, I mean, a month from now, he doesn't have more than a month before he has to make that decision. Well, and, you know, aren't his approval ratings kind of down in the tank? I mean, maybe he's just trying to, you know, a, a new plan to get out of Louisiana. Maybe he's know. exploring for some new <laughs> approval ratings. It's time again to break down another candidate announcement speech on Stump Interrupted. Now, remember, we're taking these announcement speeches in order uh, based on when the candidate officially jumped into the race. So if we haven't done your favorite candidate yet, we'll get there. Today, it's Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, the presidential primary David to the Hillary Clinton Goliath. We've pulled a few cuts from his April 30th announcement press conference uh, to give you our take on what he said. And here's the first one. Uh, This country today, in my view, has more serious crises than at any time since the Great Depression of the 1930s. For most Americans, their reality is that they're working longer hours for lower wages, an inflation-adjusted income, they're earning less money than they used to years ago, despite a huge increase in technology and productivity. So all over this country I've been talking to people and they say, how does it happen? I'm producing more, but I'm working longer hours for lower wages. My kid can't afford to go to college. I'm having a hard time affording health care. How does that happen? While at exactly the same time, 99% of all new income generated in this country is going to the top 1%. This is the essence of the Bernie Sanders campaign message. And here is his message. It's about the money. Other candidates are talking about liberty and federal government overreach, immigration reform, gay marriage. Senator Sanders is talking about bread and butter, and he's speaking directly to working class and to middle class voters. Most people are making less money than they used to, even though they're working harder. 
it's it's really powerful, I think, in its simplicity. And, you know, a little spoiler here, uh, our interview with Jim Hightower coming up here in just a couple minutes, he kind of really breaks down that idea of when Sanders says this, he's not talking about people on the right, he's not talking about people on the left, he's looking at the country vertically, and he's talking about the people that are below the, the 1%. Right. And also just that the, the, the fact that he is talking about this and, and in a way nobody else really is, that that's what gives him uh, an opening. And even if he if he can't win, which it doesn't look like he can. And historically, these kind of candidacies don't win. But he's really taken off on Facebook. He's taken off in social media. And he's he's got he's got a he's got a, a small but really committed following. We now have a political situation where billionaires are literally able to buy elections and candidates. Let's not kid ourselves. That is the reality right now. So you got the Koch brothers and other billionaire families now prepared to spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in elections to buy the candidates of their choice, often extreme right-wing candidates. So I guess this is all about the money uh, part two, this time talking about uh, corporate donations. But I I think this idea of billionaires and millionaires spending money on elections, especially when you talk about dark money groups and super PACs, uh, this is going to be really fascinating to hear all the candidates talk about that uh, this election, or most of them. Uh, Because while Sanders is signaling the alarm here and and bashing the Koch brothers, uh, you know, this could really be Ted Cruz knocking the GOP establishment and its mega donors. I regard it as unacceptable that you have major corporations in this country who make billions of dollars in profit, who do not pay a nickel in federal income tax because, among other things, they stash their money in the Cayman Islands and Bermuda and other tax havens. So I think here he identifies the problem. People are struggling to make ends meet. Um, In this soundbite, we hear uh, Bernie Sanders give a solution, basically, and that is to tax all those untaxed corporate profits sitting overseas. Bring it home. Shore up social welfare programs with it. Build infrastructure with it by hiring people just like Roosevelt did in the 1930s and use that money to make colleges free, free in the United States, basically European democratic socialism. And, and I think it's, uh, it's one of those arguments that people aren't used to hearing, and so it's going to attract people, um, but it, it's hard for some, to imagine something like that taking off in a viable candidacy. So, uh, you know, we have laid out a couple of times already that he's got a big uphill climb against Hillary Clinton, but here is the cut on uh, why we think he could win the Democratic primary. Well, that's, it's too early. You know, we don't know what Hillary's uh, stances are, all of the issues. But this is what I can tell you. I voted against the war in Iraq. And not only did I vote against it, I helped lead the effort. And many of the things that I said back then turned out to be true. I mean, the massive destabilization in the region. I am helping right now to lead the effort against the Transpass Partnership because I believe it continues a trend Uh, of horrendous trade policies which have cost us millions of decent paying jobs. Uh, I helped lead the effort against the Keystone Pipeline because I don't think we should be transporting some of the dirtiest fuel in the world and we've got to be really vigorous in terms of transforming uh, our energy system. Look, I don't think I'm alone in suggesting that uh, Bernie Sanders is highly unlikely to win the Democratic nomination for no other reason than he described himself as a socialist. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that a lot of Republicans already think that we have one of those in the White House, a lot of Democrats, I think, uh, will will balk at that. But 
if he has any chance of making headway, he's going to have to take this away from Hillary Clinton, uh, really create a contrast. And I think you you hear him, at least the beginning of, of him doing that um, on her pro-war vote. Uh, on trade policies that liberals really hate, and on the Keystone Pipeline, which Hillary Clinton has, has danced around a bit, quite a lot. Well, now we've told you that uh, that little little space that he might be able to slide in there and win, but but here is an example of why he will lose this primary. The question is, if you raise the issues that are on the hearts and minds of the American people. If you try to put together a movement which says we have got to stand together as a people and say that this capital, this beautiful capital, our country belongs to all of us and not the billionaire class, that's not raising an issue. That is winning elections. That's where the American people are. All right. Thank you very much. Are you now a Democrat? Now, that statement isn't why he'll lose. Uh, That sentiment, that campaign message, there's nothing in there that would keep a Democrat from voting for Sanders and from Sanders winning the presidential nomination, which is why we've already seen Hillary Clinton start to make some of those same arguments, which means Sanders won't be able to use this message to close that giant gap between the two. Right. And she's also come out already in favor of a constitutional amendment uh, to rein in this uh proliferation of big money in politics. So and and that was that's one of his big campaign things, campaign platforms. So that's the way these things usually go. Right. It went once somebody that has no or is seen as having no chance has actually has a good issue, then the candidate who does have a chance takes the issue away and then boom, it's done. So be sure and uh, come back next week when we put Carly Fiorina under the stump interrupted microscope. <laughs> You're listening to The Ticket from KUT News and the Texas Tribune. I'm Ben Philpott. And I'm Jay Root. Senator Bernie Sanders may have an impossible hill to climb to win the Democratic nomination, but he's not without his passionate supporters. That includes former Texas Agriculture Commissioner and current syndicated columnist Jim Hightower, who recently hosted a Sanders event here in Austin. Mr. Hightower, thanks for joining us today. Good to be with you. Uh, Should Bernie Sanders be president? Or is Bernie Sanders a perfect tool to move the conversation in the Democratic Party? Both, Uh, starting uh, with moving the conversation, uh, and he's already doing that. Uh, and he's going to do a lot more of it. Uh, but but then, uh, yeah, I think he uh, he should be. And once you hear what he's talking about, it's the kind of thing that we don't hear uh, hardly at all in our politics anymore about the ordinary working stuff. And that's why we have such a tremendous turnout in America and here in Texas, uh, the lowest turnout uh, since 1942 nationwide in this last election, uh, and uh, 28% here in our state. Uh, that means we're electing. Uh, these, you know, right-wing nutballs that are running our state with about 17% of the vote. Uh, but the Democrats have not been getting 18%. And so that's the the importance, I think, of, of Bernie getting into this race is that uh, he's going to talk about the kind of things and with a kind of blunt language uh, that will perk people's ears uh, up. Uh, they're, they're looking for uh, a, a, dis- a political discussion that involves them. You know, uh, I watched the Bernie Sanders uh, event in Austin, and he threw out some really interesting statistics. Let me just throw out two that he gave. One was that 99% of all the new income since the Great Recession is going to the top 1%. He also said that the Walton family, uh, which is worth $175 billion, this is the heir to the Walmart fortune, 
um, uh, they have more wealth than 40%, than the lower, the uh, bottom 40% in America. And this That's was six people, six members of the Walton right, family. Right, and, so, and this was truth-tested by PolitiFact, and they said it was either true or mostly true. If that's all true, then why are so many people voting against their own economic self-interest? Well, as I just uh, said, uh, they're not voting uh, because they, they've not been hearing – Bernie Sanders uh, or a Bernie Sanders-like candidate uh, talking about those things. And that's why I think he's going to do surprisingly well, uh, because people are, are looking for somebody who is genuine, somebody who's blunt, uh, not just direct, but actually blunt, uh, and saying the kind of things that ordinary stiffs talk about uh, when they're down at the Chat and Chew Cafe, you know, uh, that the, the, the rich are getting richer than ever and uh, the middle class is getting poorer and the poor are getting poorer than ever uh, and that that's not America. You said in your remarks, uh, I watched your introduction uh, of Bernie Sanders, and you said in your remarks that it's not just the Republicans uh, that are the problem, it's the Democrats that are the problem. Talk about that, and, and, and you know, feel free to mention Hillary Clinton, who's obviously the probably going to be the nominee. Well, the, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't concede that yet, but, <laughs> but the Democrats, uh, you know, t- too often uh, they've been weaker than Canadian hot sauce when it comes to standing up for uh, the constituency that we're supposed to represent, uh, which is the uh, not the powers that be, but the powers that ought to be, the ordinary working stiffs and the consumers and the people who care about clean air and water and uh, dirt farmers and small business, you know, just regular folks. Uh, and, uh, and when we're not standing up for them, then surprise, they're not standing up for us. Uh, They're not turning out at the polls. It's not that they've turned Republican, uh, but they've turned off. Uh, And as I say in Democratic speeches, uh, speeches to state and county parties that I do a good bit of around the country, uh, the the key to turn out is turn on. You've got to turn people on by talking about things that actually matter to them. Give you one example. Uh, Wendy Davis, uh, her campaign, I, I thought it was a very poor campaign, uh, and one reason is uh, she hired the same consultants uh, that uh, that have never won a statewide race, <laughs> uh, yet continue to be hired to run our gubernatorial races, and they get the same 40% of the vote, primarily because they school their candidates to move to the right. Uh, don't talk about certain things. So, for example, uh, Wendy Davis uh, was inclined to be against fracking, a big issue uh, last year uh, in the political races, including in Denton County, uh, where they had a campaign, a ballot initiative there to ban fracking in the city of Denton. Uh, So she took her advisor's advice and did not talk about fracking. Uh, Now, those are people the people who are victims of fracking who are mostly uh, apolitical or they're Republican or libertarian inclined. They're not Democrats. They're not liberals, uh, uh, just regular folks. Here's a chance for her to reach out to a constituency that uh, otherwise she wouldn't get. Uh, And instead, she went silent on it. So Denton County, uh, uh, rather uh, Denton, uh, Texas, the city, she got about 30% of the vote there. Uh, fracking, uh, the ban on fracking, got 60% of the vote. So you doubled your vote You know, if you talk about an issue that people are really engaged in. When he announced or had his little first uh, uh, announcement press conference there in Washington, you know, he talked about um, the Koch brothers a lot you know, in terms of the, the money messing up politics. Uh, but it seems like that... Uh, 
even with him going after the Koch brothers, that that could be an issue that uh, really appeals to a broader audience yes. uh, in the election in that, you know, even here in, or especially maybe here in Texas, you've got more mainstream Republicans that are pushing for an end to, or, or a way to shine light onto some of this dark money uh, because they're being primaried uh, by Tea Party groups, Tea Party activists, and, um, you know, are, are losing power. I mean, that's, you know, they, they want to try and, and stop that. Um, do you, do you feel like this is, I mean, this is one of those elections where how we elect people really can become a, a, a big issue? Absolutely. Uh, again, the, the, the people are, there's hardly an issue uh, that would poll as strongly as uh, getting money, primarily big corporate money, out of our politics. Uh, I think it's something like uh, 78% of Republicans want that, want a constitutional amendment to, to overturn the Citizen United decision that unleashed that, uh, that money. Uh, and uh, it's, it's overwhelming among independents and Democrats. It's about 90% of them. A, a big issue, one that they are very excited about or very concerned about, you know, not just vaguely concerned about. Uh, and yes, uh, you know, talking about it, we just had a guy, uh, you know, land his gyrocopter on the lawn of the U.S. Capitol. Uh, he's a letter carrier out of Florida, put together this gyrocopter and went with 535 letters, one each for members of the House and the Senate, uh, to tell them how important this issue was to regular folks. And, of, and of course, uh, he got arrested. Uh, but he wrote a great op-ed piece in the New York Times uh, this week explaining why he did that. Uh, and it was uh, exactly what Bernie is saying. Nobody talks about this in politics, yet everybody else talks about it. So I, I think those kinds of issues, talking about uh, structural change, which that certainly would be, that would dramatically alter our politics, elevating the importance of people over money uh, for the first time in many, many years. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's going to attract a lot of people, and it's going to make that issue uh, bigger than ever. And other candidates are going to have to respond to it. You mentioned earlier the idea of uh, needing a, a candidate maybe sp- talking like Bernie to, to fire up the base and get people uh, involved, especially in low turnout states. Um, well, sir, I think you could make the argument that that's certainly what the Tea Party did yes. uh, with the Republican Party. You've probably also heard the argument that the Tea Party has moved the GOP too far to the right mm-hmm. so that they can't compete in presidential elections uh, and even many statewide elections. Uh, are Senator Sanders and other liberals, are they a threat to do the same thing with Democrats? I, I don't think so because we're talking, you know, real politics. To, to me, the real political spectrum is not right to left. Uh, that's theory. Uh, that's ideology. Uh, rather, it's top to bottom. Uh, that's experience. That's your zip code. <laughs> you know where you are in the scheme of things. And the vast majority of people in the country, whether they call themselves Democrat, Republican, or nothing, uh, know that they're not in shouting distance of the either the Democratic or Republican powers that be much less than the corporate powers and the Wall Street powers. Uh, so somebody who talks like that, uh, talks top to bottom, is going to appeal way beyond uh, political name tags. If he were ever to take off, people are going to say, hey, you called yourself a socialist. I mean, you know, he and he has called himself a socialist. Yeah. Isn't that sort of a bar to entry into American politics? Well, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I understand what he means uh, because he means socialist like Social Security. He means socialist like a fair tax policy. 
Uh, he means uh, socialist like the post office. Uh, you know, he means social good uh, and the common good. Uh, and that he does not mean that the government should come in and run uh, everything. Uh, and and I, I certainly would not agree uh, to that. But neither do I agree that a handful of corporations should be running every, everything. And that's pretty much where we are. Jim Hightower is a former agriculture commissioner here in Texas, a current syndicated columnist, and uh, a fan of Bernie Sanders. Yes. Thanks so much for coming in today. Great to be with you all. Thank you. Finally, here's the straight ticket. Did you hear about the most important question that every Republican presidential candidate was being asked last week? Knowing what we know now, would you have invaded Iraq? When Jeb Bush gave his answer to Fox News host Megyn Kelly, it got lots of media attention. Knowing what we know now, would you have authorized the invasion? I would have, and so, so would have Hillary Clinton, just to remind everybody, and so would have almost everybody that was confronted with the intelligence they got. After Bush's answer, several other GOP candidates were either asked the same question or volunteered their answer before the press could get to them. The media can often get fixated on a single question and run with it during a presidential election. Unfortunately, during what feels like a perpetual campaign cycle, shiny objects can distract even the best journalists. But that's not my problem with the question. My problem is that they didn't go far enough. Why stop with the Iraq War? There are so many other historical events that we should find out whether they do it differently. So today... I'm going to ask those tough questions. We'll start with Senator Marco Rubio. Mr. Rubio, and please, I don't want to pick a fight with you, but knowing what we know now, would you go back in time and kill Hitler? But I don't understand the question you're asking. I'm asking you, knowing everything, as we no, sit here in 20, But that's 15, not the way presidents don't... A president cannot make a decision I, on I what understand. someone might know in the future. But that's what I'm asking you. Now, Scott Walker, as an executive, you understand the role of good planning. Knowing what we know now... Would you have built Pompeii so close to Mount Vesuvius? Yeah, real simple. Uh, for us, uh, the one thing that I think er nearly universal uh, expectation of government is public safety protection. We're not going to take any risk. We're going to make sure that all feel safe, not only here, but in their homes, and, and that's important for us. And finally, considering that only one of you will emerge as the GOP nominee, Rick Perry, do you really want to go through with this? If you're going to run for the president, you have to be healthy. Now there's an honest answer. Before you attack us on Twitter, yes, those answers were originally given to different questions. Just trying to have some fun, folks. And that's it this week for The Ticket. Remember, we're on iTunes, so search The Ticket 2016. Subscribe and give us a review. Also, give us a call and ask us a question. We may use your question on a future episode. Our number, 512-943-2016. Make sure you tell us your name when you call. You can also follow us on Twitter at TheTicket2016. The Ticket is a co-production of KUT News and the Texas Tribune. The show was mixed by me and edited by Matt Largy. Our theme music is by Ben Root. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.